Well, good morning. We greet each one in the name of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Lord Jesus Christ, who sits on his throne, whose spirit has promised to be with us this morning. We're glad to see each one to our visitors. Uh, we hope that you feel completely welcome and free to worship in the spirit uh, with us this day. I couldn't believe it when Mike stood up and started talking about distractions because that's exactly what I've been thinking about. I thought I'd open with this morning. And so I so appreciated his opening discourse before Sunday school. I saw a statement recently. Uh, it said, it is important when a preacher preaches that he preached to an audience of one. And obviously what the statement was intended to say was that it be acceptable in the sight of the Lord. And that it is not the crowd or the listeners that are to affect what he says, it is to be the Lord and his Holy Spirit. And I've been thinking about that a little bit because I'd like to ask you something this morning. What is affecting your ability to worship this morning? Are there distractions? Mike gave a list of nine of them. Very good for those of you who were here. But I'm going to suggest to you that we need to listen this morning, those of us who will listen to the message as to please one, to draw us to the Lord. When I think about it, when, when a minister stands here and he preaches the word, we expect him to be in the word and we expect him to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Is it any less for those of us who listen? I suggest it isn't. This is my problem. Maybe you don't have this. I'd like to tell you that everything I do during the week is completely controlled. I'm always listening to the Spirit. I'm always completely, but I find myself having to back up and repent at times. I'd also like to tell you that when I walk through these doors, I become a super saint. And I shut everything out, and it's only the Lord and His Spirit that I hear. I'm sorry. There are times that I am distracted. There are things that are going on in my life with myself, my business, my friends, my relatives, my family, my church, whatever it is. And it tends to control a little bit of how I listen. So I invite you to turn your Bibles to Romans 11:36. We have two scriptures we want to read this morning. Romans 11:36. For of him, and by the way, you hear me say this from time to time, especially those of you who have a King James, the word him here, I think, should be capitalized because it is the Lord. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. So I'd like to ask you, whatever your distraction is this morning, is it outside of the work of God? Is it something that he don't know about or can't control or can't? And I know we can come this morning with our distractions. 
hoping to hear wisdom on how to deal with them. That's a good thing. We realize that. But we need to be careful that those distractions do not keep us from focusing on him. He is the Lord. There's nothing outside of him. I invite you to turn your Bibles now to Hebrews 13, 21. I find this passage very good because this, this verse tells me what I would really like to do this morning, really every day of my life, but I really like to do it this morning, and I, I hope you also. Hebrews 13, 21, to make you perfect, um, some translations would say complete or mature, to make you perfect in every good work to do his will. That's what I'd like to do. I would like to be found in such a state of worship that everything I think about, everything that I hear from my brother this morning by the Holy Spirit would so influence me that I would be inspired powerfully to do his will. And then it says, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Have anybody done anything this week that you know very well the Lord really wasn't all that pleased with? Maybe just a thought, an action, a word, I don't know. My prayer is this morning that I be so engulfed by the Holy Spirit of God that my very being would be pleasing in his sight. And then it says, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. The purpose of our lives is to bring glory to him. I don't know what your distractions are this morning. We don't expect Brother Jerry to be distracted. And it seems to me like we should think about ourselves that we likewise should not be distracted. That he would have the glory that we would be molded by the presence of his word and his spirit and his being here, that we would be pleasing in his sight, that we would do his will and bring glory to his name and to his kingdom. Are there prayer requests this morning? Yes, Lord. Okay, Martha, Lonnie, I'm going to call on you to pray for us. And the way we do this here, if you remember all these, you're doing fine. If you don't, that's okay. We're all called to pray for our prayer requests. Further prayer requests. All the young people, everything's just ticking along great, right? Don't have any prayer requests. The church is in, oh, you mean because of the MacArthur situation. Okay. Thank you. Anyone else? Are there any praise reports? I think there needs to be a general prayer that we are praying every day. 
The crisis that we are in, this coronavirus thing, is really not very big. We're dealing with people's souls. And somehow, if all things work together for good, those that love the Lord, and we believe that, this crisis and every crisis that comes along should be some, in some way a stepping stool to encourage someone to give their heart to the Lord. Let's go to prayer.
This morning we are privileged with guest speaker, Brother Jerry and Sister Heidi Priest from the Chambersburg, Pennsylvania congregation, and we trust you'll give them full attention. Say good morning and welcome to God's house this morning from rebel country, Maryland. You know, as Bart called me last week, and the reason we're here is there's some graduates here and we like to celebrate their graduations. So my mind for a sermon this morning kind of went in that direction and I hope that the rest of us can, I don't know, think back to our graduation or say today's our graduation to next week. Now I'm a simple kind of a guy. I brought a book along that I like the author from my childhood and my children always liked when I read these books to him. And I'm just going to read a little bit of it to start. It says, Congratulations, today's your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your way. And you know what you know. You are the guy who will decide where to go. I like crowd participation. What are some of the dreams that you have, graduates or us older folk, from this day forward? What are some of the dreams you have? I had a dream when I graduated, I wanted to get married and milk cows. Both of them dreams came true. Heidi said it was okay to call names if nobody says anything. <laughs> what are some of your dreams or goals? Raise a family. Get a job. Get a job. Amen. I retired from dairy farming about two years ago, and I learned what that's all about. Search for a job. Anyone else? Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. 
a man's heart. That's where our dreams start, isn't it? Something we look forward to, but to start this sermon, we're going to look at the opposite side first, and how do dreams become nightmares? How's that happen? What if I have a dream to have a cow that produces so much milk that she's one of the top in the list and when the list, the monthly list comes out, Marsh Haven Farm is up there because that cow is the best. And I purchased this cow and she doesn't make it. How do dreams become nightmares? Ecclesiastes chapter 2 we're just going to read two verses, verse 10 and 11. And Solomon says, And whatsoever mine eyes de desired, I kept not from them. I withheld it not from my, not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Is it wrong to get done a day's work and say, wow, that's a good job? No, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But to have satisfaction in that and only in that, can that become a nightmare? Because what if a day doesn't happen the way we think it should? And we work so hard all that day, and it doesn't end right. Then what? Or maybe we choose wrong goals. Have you ever chosen a goal that you thought was attainable? You thought you could get there? Only to realize a little bit later in life that the reason I didn't get there is by the glory of God I didn't get there. To go along with that, let's go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 and 21. We all know this story. We pick on them, right? But the truth of the matter is, would Jerry be different in this story? Would have I asked for the same thing, or would have I dreamed for something else. They expected the Messiah to come. Yes. But they expected the Messiah to set up something here on earth that was not the plan. And in verse 20 of chapter 20 of Matthew, it says, Then came him, the mother 
Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children, with her sons worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on the right hand, the other on the left, in thy kingdom. Did James and John's mother really understand what they were asking? Did they fully understand what they expected? The degree of faith that they needed to go through with this? Or was it just a position of power? Today's world, we might say they ask for honor, not employment. And I had to go back and ask myself, you know, as I dreamed to milk cows and maybe one day own a farm. How is it with you? Do you dream to take your boss's position? Do you ever dream that? You start out working somewhere and you progress a little bit and you just sit there and you say, oh, but if I could just get to that spot. I did that as a teenager. I would ride along in the tractor as my dad bailed hay. And as I rode along and with the round balers back there baling hay, somehow everything worked wonderful. And I'd sit there and say, boy, I can do this. This is easy. I mean, you just drive along and there's the monitor. You just watch the monitor a little bit. and Then the day came. My dad was not available to bail hay anymore. He had passed on. And I can remember very vividly that as I went to the field to bail hay, I thought it was just going to go just as easy and perfect as it went with him. And I was just riding along. I'm not making this up. I'm not kidding. First bail, halfway through the bail, the clutch is slipping because I'm going too fast. It looked so easy. I thought this was so attainable. And yet, it wasn't that easy. What if sometimes our dreams are the wrong path? And I don't have a list of things that are wrong. That's something that you'll have to decipher as you go on through life. A lot of times I believe with all my heart as we go through, we dream a dream and sometimes we attain it and later in life God says, you see that dream? I left you do that. I left you succeed there because you wanted it. But just think if you wouldn't have got that, where would you be following me? Where would you be?
Proverbs 14, 12. It's repeated in Proverbs 16, 25. It says, There is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, I've always read this verse and thought that that was literal death. And as I get older, I don't know if it's literal death. But more like a deceiving of myself. We males do this sometimes growing up as teenagers. We think we're pretty good at something. Maybe we might even dream that we'd be really good at it. Only in a matter of time come up against someone that is superior to us, right? There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Could this be the way of ignorance or carelessness? Could I also label it maybe flesh-pleasing? And I have to question myself. I didn't know if I'd go down this path this morning, but sometimes we do things. Well, just let me back up. Why are you here this morning? Why are you here this morning? Because it's Sunday morning and it's 11, 10 after 11, and this is where we are, right? This is where you're supposed to be. Or did you make a decision prior that on Sunday morning, this is when I go and worship God? This is when I go and want to hear from God. And I say all that only to say on the idea of taking the wrong path. Do you believe what you do? Or do you live a way of hypocrisy in religion? You have a blind zeal. If someone asks you why you do what you do, do you have an answer? Can you tell them? It's a question I ask myself often. Who am I? And why do I do this? I hope it's that my Heavenly Father will be glorified. Whether I'm a witness to someone or someone needs to talk to me. I hope that's the reason why you do what you do.
That's maybe the negative side of the sermon this morning. Now we want to shift gears to pursuing your dreams. Anybody have a list or instructions? How do you do this? Anybody? Set goals. Absolutely. If you just wander around and never have goals, I don't know. How long would it take me to get to Cornerstone if I didn't have direction when I left home and had a goal? Just wander around, right? We don't do that as in life. Anyone else? Mm-hmm. I put better put gas in my vehicle, right? Because yeah. I don't have an electric vehicle. Let's go to First Chronicles chapter four, verses nine and ten. And as I read this, I just want you to think about the idea of dreaming and dreaming big. Because there was a question in Sunday school, and I can't remember exactly what the question was, but I've heard this argued, if you were allowed to move back in time or forward in time, which way would you go? And why? And I heard it argued that if you moved back in time, you have so many less distractions and it's so much easier to serve God. But if you move forward in time, can you move to heaven? First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, it says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called him Jabez, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. Listen to this as Jabez dreams a dream, right? He's looking at a goal. This is what he desires in life. But as he desires a certain thing in life, look what he says here in verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou would bless me indeed and enlarge my coast, that thine hand might be with me and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Did he dream big? It says, enlarge my coast that mine, thine hand might be with me. Enlarge my coast. I'm just a simple farmer, and as I think of the enlarging coasts, we've always farmed about 170 acres, and wouldn't it be so wonderful to farm two or 300? 
Or can I back up and say that dream, well, Lord, you lead me. And if you want me to stay at 170, praise your name. So I looked at this, I thought this is a prayer that Jabez made when he was just setting out in the world. He set himself to acknowledge God in all his ways and put himself under the divine blessing and protection to prosper accordingly. I don't know how it is with the rest of you, but each year as I did my taxes after I started milking cows and you get to those figures and you kind of look down on yourself if you didn't quite make as much money as you did the year before, right? You didn't quite prosper as much as you did the year before. So you can go back and you point a finger and you say, this is what I did wrong, right? I did this wrong right here. Or can we look to the opposite side of that and say, thank you, Jesus, for blessing me this year. And look for the blessings that we can have, not on the negatives that upset us. Dream big. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But be realistic. The other thing I see here in the middle of verse 10 is, Jabez asks that thou wouldest keep me from evil. I would ask you this morning, is that a prayer that each one of us prays every morning? To keep me from evil. Evil thoughts. Evil actions. Evil dreams. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Did Jabez think he was... One good character. He was the greatest. No, when we look at Romans 12.3 and go back to 1 Chronicles and we read over this again, we have to agree that Jabez didn't rely on his own abilities. He dreamed a dream to have his coasts enlarged, Yes. But in the same token, he said, Lord, it's yours. You do this dream. You manifest yourself. You show yourself to me in this dream that I have. In my own words, he couldn't wait for God's blessing on his dream.
The next thing that we want to look at on pursuing your dreams is just because I can doesn't mean that I should. Let's go to Matthew 16, verse 26. This has always been a difficult verse for me growing up. Matthew 16, verse 26, it says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What has greater value to you than your soul? Thinking on earthly things, I hope nothing. And we can say that, but do we live it out? What means the most to you? Can we say that my soul is worth more than all the world that I could possess? All the pleasures, all the possessions, all the honor? Whoa, not that one, right? We like to be honored, right? We like to have just a little bit of prestige, right? That's carnal nature. But would you agree with me that some of these things have ruined souls? I don't know. You have to put that in the blank what you struggle with. I know what I struggle with. Just because I can doesn't mean that I should. Let's go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 22. Before we read that, I want to ask you a question. I'm full of questions, right? <laughs> That's the only way I can make you think. Have you ever set your mind to do something that you thought was a good thing? Only to have the Holy Spirit come and tell you that maybe you shouldn't be doing that? First Chronicles 22, 5 to 10, it says, And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent. 
of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Then he called for Solomon his son and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a, ha to build a house unto the name of the Lord. Just stop there. Why didn't he do it? See where I'm going? We have a dream. We can say it's a good dream. It's the right dream. We can back it by whatever proof that we know it's the right dream. David's preparing to build the temple. He wanted to get it done. But the next verse says, But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly, and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies round about. For his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days." He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. David had a dream to build a temple. But God said, don't do it. You've been a man of war. You've shed too much blood. This is not a job for you. And David says, okay, no problem. Solomon will do it. Let's go to John chapter 8. John 8, 28, it says, Then said Jesus unto them, When he lifted up the Son of Man, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And I just have a question for you as we read this verse of him telling his disciples that he's leaving. And he's going to bring a comforter. What would have happened if Jesus would have maybe given in to his disciples when they asked him to build a kingdom here on earth? Would it be different? Did Jesus have the power to do that? Yeah. Remember, just because I can doesn't always mean I should. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 16.
Another verse that I think of often, especially when I think I know the right answer, right? I won't ask for a show of hands, but we've probably all been there. We've got, we're going to a conflict. We're going to solve a conflict that we have. And I've looked this over and I know the answer. I know what the correct answer is. And I get there only to find out that I'm out of the park. I'm not even close. Why is that? Proverbs 16.2 says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Isn't it so easy to be partial when we think we know the truth? Because we can back it up from only to find out that our Heavenly Father is going to judge us by His truth. Just because I can doesn't mean that I should. The next thing we want to look at in pursuing your dreams is never trade your family for your dream. Let's go to 1 Timothy 5.8. And I'll just ask you another question before we read this scripture. If you spend on your lusts rather than taking care of your family, then what? First Timothy 5.8 says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. We know who we are. That maybe own a business or it's a lot of responsibility on me because of my title for this to succeed, for this to progress. And yet, did you ever hear an elderly person on their deathbed say, I wish I would have spent more time at work. No. So how far can I take this? It says, but if any provide not for his own, especially those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worth worse than an infidel. 
You know, I can argue that I can work enough that I can provide money for my family to succeed. Is that all? Or how important is it to you this morning that your family succeeds spiritually? Thinking about the idea of your household and taking care of or providing for your household. Families don't grow strong unless parents invest precious time in them. something I'm learning. I'm going to date myself now a little bit. Who remembers the Expos being a baseball team? It's a couple of us. I don't see very many hands at all over here, though. <laughs> Johnny. You have to know baseball to even remember that the Expos were in Canada, in Montreal. And the story goes like this. From the time Tim Burke can first remember, I remember him pitching. His dream was to be a pro baseball player. Through years of sacrifice and hard work, he achieved that goal. And yet, while successfully pitching for the Expos, he and his wife wanted to start a family. And they discovered they were unable to. So after much prayer, they decided to adopt four special needs international children. And then that led them to another decision. Not an easy decision, a difficult one. Tim had gave of his whole life to be a professional pitcher. And now he has four little children in his house. And a thought crossed his mind. How can he take care of his family and be on the road a lot? How could he be a quality husband and a quality dad to his children and still be a major league pitcher? Over time, it became clear he couldn't do both. And he decided to give up baseball. Here's what he said. Baseball is going to be just fine without me. It's not going to miss a beat. But I'm the only father... My children have. I'm the only husband my wife has. And they need me more than baseball.
It's a difficult question. Sometimes we have to come with an answer. The last thing that I want to look at this morning with pursuing our dreams is if I can't be happy here, I won't be happy there. You know, some of you know that I started a new job back in February. And as I milked cows, I thought, wow, it would be just so wonderful if I could just go sit in an office, right? And then I got an office job. And I sit there. It was pretty nice when it was 30 degrees and the wind blowing outside and the workers were coming in and they're working on the equipment and I joked with them. It's pretty cold out there, isn't it? Yeah. And then corn plant season came along and there I sit. And I thought, what a terrible mistake I made. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13, it says, Now that I speak in respect of one, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. How far along are you? Whatever state you're in, are you content? You know, as you have children growing up in your house and some days just don't go as good as other days and it's kind of frustrating. And then for me and Heidi, all three of our children went to retreat. And we had two weeks of an empty house, right? Just us. We thought that's what we were looking forward to. And yet it didn't take long and Heidi was wondering, are they ever coming back? The house is quiet. Where are they at? Will they be back? See what I'm saying? If I can't be happy here, I won't be happy there. Back to Philippians 4, verse 12 and 13, that says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. As I read over that, I wrote down, this is a special act of grace to be content where you are. Because I think I can... Uh, 
pretty sure say that none of us will be content with a little bit, right? Maybe I should ask, who's content with just a wee little bit? Yeah, none of us are. If the bills aren't getting paid, we work just a little bit more, right? Rather than maybe downsize where we should go. No, we work a little bit more. But if I can't be happy with a little, how can I be happy and be able to handle the temptations when God blesses me with a prosperous life? You know, back to that tax time I talked about earlier. Those years when the money added up and you came down to and you gained a big profit. You go like this, right? It's pretty easy, isn't it? And then after that we say, we're pretty good. We got some stuff set aside. We're good for a while, right? When I retire, I'm going to do this and that and that and that, right? And I'm not saying it's wrong to have dreams. I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to think those kinds of thoughts. But I'm just saying to be careful to not become secure in your riches. Or what God has blessed you with. And I don't say this to um, I don't know how to say it, I guess. My dad had dreams and goals. And he had told us some of them that when he retired, this was what he wanted to do. Those never came true. He never got to do them. And I don't think he was proud or secure in his riches. It's just that God had another plan. And I don't think he'd ever wish to come back to do those things. But just remember... As you make dreams and goals, to try to have just a little bit of contentment in there too with where you are. Back to Proverbs 16 9, it says, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Is that your desire this morning?
as you dream and make goals to do you dream and make goals to glorify your heavenly father that his will even though i decide to go down this path and i want to go down this path that he would direct my path my steps and that his name would be glorified Because I think when we make dreams like that and goals like that, that's where we can be content when those dreams and goals are attained. I just want to close by reading this book to our graduates. We'll start off on the first page. It says, congratulations, today's your day. You're off to great places, you're off and away. You have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own. You know what you know, and you're the guy who will decide where to go. You'll look up and down streets, look them over with care. About some you will say, I don't choose to go there. With your head full of brains and your shoes full of feet, you're too smart to go down any not-so-good street. You may not find any you'll want to go down. In that case, of course, you'll head straight out of town. It's opener there in the wide open air. Out there, things can happen and frequently do. To people as brainy and footsy as you, and when things start to happen, don't worry, don't stew, just go right along. You'll start happening too. Oh, the places you'll go. You'll be on your way up. You'll be seeing great sights. You'll join the high flyers who soar to high heights. You won't lag behind because you'll have the speed. You'll pass the whole gang. You'll soon take the lead. Wherever you fly, you'll be the best of the best. Wherever you go, you will top all the rest. Except when you don't. Because sometimes you won't. I'm so sorry to say, but sadly it's true that bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. You can get all hung up in a prickly perch. And your gang will fly on. You'll be left in a lurch. You'll come down from that lurch with an unpleasant bump. And the chances are then that you'll be in a slump. And when you're in a slump, you're not in for much fun. Unslumping yourself is not easily done. You will come to a place where the streets are not marked. Some windows are lighted, but mostly they're darked. A place you could sprain both your elbow and chin. Do you dare stay out? Do you dare go in? How much do you lose? How much can you win? And if you go in, should you turn left or right? Or right and three quarters? Or maybe not quite? Or go around back and sneak in from behind. 
Simply it's not, I'm afraid, you will find for a mind-maker-upper to make up his mind. You can get so confused that you'll start into a race down long, wingled, wiggled roads at a break-necking pace and grind on for miles across weirdish, wild space, headed, I fear, toward a most useless place, the waiting place. For people just waiting, waiting for a train to go or a bus to come or a plane to go or the mail to come or the rain to go or the phone to ring or the snow to snow or waiting for a yes or a no or waiting for the hair to grow. Everyone is just waiting, waiting for a fish to bite or waiting for the wind to fly a kite or waiting around for Friday night or waiting perhaps for Uncle Jake or a pot to boil or a better break, or a string of pearls, or a pair of pants, or a wig with curls, or another chance. Everyone is just waiting. No, that's not for you. Somehow you'll escape all that waiting and staying. You'll find the bright places where boom bands are playing. With banner flipping, flip flapping, once more you'll ride high, ready for anything under the sky, ready because you're that kind of guy. Oh, the places you'll go. There's fun to be done. There are points to be scored. There are games to be won. All the magical things that you can do with that ball will make you the winningest winner of all. Fame. You'll be famous, as famous can be, with the whole world watching you on TV. Except they don't. Because sometimes they won't. I'm afraid that sometimes you'll play lonely games too. Games you can't win because playing against you, all alone, whether you like it or not. Alone with will be something you'll be quite a lot. And when you're alone, there's a very good chance you'll meet things that scare you right out of your pants. There are some down the road between hither and yon that can scare you so much you won't want to go on. But on you will go, through the weather be foul. On you will go, through your, though your enemy, enemies prowl. On you will go, through the haken cracks howl. Onward, up, many a frightened creek. Though your arms may get sore and your sneakers may leak. On and on you will hike. And I know you'll hike far and face up to your problems, whatever they are. You'll get mixed up, of course, as you already know. You'll get mixed up with many strange birds as you go. So be sure where you step. Be sure when you step. Step with care and great tact. And remember that life's a great balancing act. Just never forget to be dexterous and deft. And never mix up your right foot with your left. And you will succeed. Yes, you will indeed. 98 and three-quarter percent indeed. Child, you'll move mountains. So be your name, Kinsley, Eden, Ephraim, Drew, Oliver, Aiden, or whoever else I missed. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting. So be on your way.
Dream dreams with God in the center. May God add his blessing.
very practical lesson this morning as it applies to uh, every one of our lives, all age groups present. I was thinking as he was talking about dreams just how pressured we are, it seems like, in society to live the good old American dream. I mean, we have a smorgasbord of food, a variety of churches where we can go, multiple, multiple occupations that we can join in with. Just live the American dream. We've been reminded today that God had a dream for us. He formed us in our mother's womb. He has set our path before us. We read in multiple scriptures. God has a dream for us. And I think we've been invited today to learn and conform ourselves and to, to align our dreams with his vision, with his dream. He's given us many talents and gifts that will take us in different directions, but in the end, he has a dream for us. He says in John chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Where I am, there ye may be also. God is taking us to glory. So wherever your dreams take you, both young and old. Wherever your dreams take you, align your dream with his. Live out the gospel wherever you're at. And always keep our vision to the glory land. It's been a blessing to be here today. We've, we've learned of dreams. We've learned of distractions. We've learned about being discontent, possibly. Very applicable message and very timely. Why don't we stand for prayer? Uh, Kurt Raleigh, I'll call on you to pray if you would.